Well, good morning one more time, Victory Midtown. So absolutely wonderful to see each and every one of you. You can put your hands together for Jesus in the place. Man, you know, back in the day they used to say, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I feel like y'all came to praise the Lord today. And so it's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord with you. Listen, before I jump into the message, I do want to do something that I don't do often, but I think it's significant, especially because of some of the things we've been talking about and some of the things we're doing and some of the things we stand for and we believe as a church. Um, we've been talking about this whole thing about the Big C Church. And how many of you know that the body of Christ is bigger than victory? And so as we're doing this, we've been really endeavoring, and in my personal life, I've been endeavoring to make sure that across this city, across this land, that we are connecting with other churches, connecting with other pastors, so that the whole church can be edified. Amen? And today I have the humble honor of one of my new buddies in the Lord joining us today. He's the lead pastor, the senior pastor of Trinity Anglican Church. He's here with us on the front row, Pastor Christmas Daniel. Can you stand up and just wave real quick? I know he didn't want me to put him on the spot. But I honor you today, and I thank you for being here. And I want to let you know we're being intentional about building in the kingdom and building relationship. And how many of you know we calendar what we prioritize? And so we calendar lunch, and we calendar times together. So I'm excited that he's here, and I'm humbled that he's here. Can we jump into the Word today? Listen, today we're in our final message of this series, and before I even say that, I do want to invite every young adult, 18 to 30 years old, please be here on Wednesday night. My wife, Dr. Pastor Kendra Moman, will be bringing the word on Wednesday, and so you want to be here as we kick this off in grand fashion. But today, we're in this final message of this series, Sent, and you know if you've been here that we've been talking about the purpose of the Big C Church. And what we've been saying is that we've been kind of anchoring around this idea that we are called to gather to worship so that we can scatter to witness. And in that, that gives us a powerful perspective of how we need to walk and how we need to hold ourselves and how we need to show up in the world. And so as I've been walking through this and as we've been walking through the book of Acts as we started this year, I don't know about you, but I've been activated. This thing has really spurned something on the inside of me where I cannot just let this be a historical gospel. I cannot just let this be, these are the things that happened in the days of old. I want to bring it into earth right now. And so as we're talking about this, what we are doing, and I hope you feel the same way, we're learning about what we are called to do as we unify around this message of Jesus. But not just what we're called to do, it's who we're called to be. And we've said many times that we're called to be what? Witnesses. We're called to be witnesses of the relationship that we have entered in with Jesus Christ and how the empowerment of the Holy Spirit allows us to live an active lifestyle. And so what I found is that as we've been walking through this is that the only way, listen to me, the only way that I can live in this Christian journey effectively is if I allow the word to transform my life. The only way that I can live this Christian journey with all the things that are going on in the world is if I really submit myself to his word. See, I've had some really great conversations with some good friends and some members here at the church, and we're talking about almost this epidemic in the body of Christ where people are more interested sometimes in spiritually sedating people instead of challenging us to really be who we're called to be. And how many of you know when you spiritually sedate you can still be going around, going around, going along, but you'll one day wake up and realize that you've lost it all. And so today, as we navigate through this, I want to make sure that we know that the Word of God changes us. Because without the Word of God, I would be a mess. 
I can't speak for you, but I would be a mess. Without the word of God, I would be captured by this ideology and this narcissistic idea of the world that it's all about me. If I didn't have the word, I would be subject to the ebbs and flows of society, and I wouldn't stand on the solid rock of Jesus as my confidence. And so I want to say this out loud, and I want you to understand this, get this in your spirit, that we need the word. Repeat this after me. Say, I need the word of God. Come on, say it with your chest at 9 o'clock in the morning. Say, I need the word of God. Why do we need the word of God? The reason we need the word of God is found right here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version because I like how it makes me feel amped this morning. It says this, for the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, the completeness of a person. And of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you captured that, what the word is saying is that it does some work on the inside of us when we let it. Let me say it like this. My son, our son likes this, you know, these cartoons and he likes this particular truck on the cartoons, an excavator. And an excavator, what it does, the purpose of it is, is to go in and get dirt and pull it out. It's to go in and take away anything that's dirty and make room for something else. Did you not know that the word of God is called to excavate every dry place in your life, every dirty place in your life, every fleshly place in your life? Why? You need to be pulled out of that thing so that you can be poured into with the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at this, again, without the word of God, what we'll do is we will spend the entirety of our lives existing and not living. We won't be able to live in the way that God truly in, in, in designed for us to live because we'll be looking at things all over the place trying to grab for straws. But I want to let you know, and I want to make an announcement to some, that the Word of God is pregnant with life. It's pregnant with life. And it's not only pregnant with life, it's ready to give birth. This Word of God is ready to give birth to your purpose. It's ready to give birth to clarity in your life. It's ready to give birth to where you were offended in one season. He says, don't be offended. Be resolved and know that I am with you and I will never leave you or forsake you. And so the word of God is also really pregnant with the meaning of life. And so I want us to look at something very important because if we believe that the word of God is pregnant with life and it's really to bring something to pass, we need to understand as we've been walking through the book of Acts, a lot of stuff has happened already. Just in the first one and a half chapters, we've seen so much. We saw Jesus ascend to heaven. We saw the apostles choosing from among their ranks people who have been walking with them since the days of John the Baptist. We saw the birth of the church. We talked about Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where Jesus' followers now were prepared for action. But what we need to know is that even though they started speaking in tongues, all those things are great. I want you to notice something very significant. Up until this point that we're reading in Acts, Everything that happened that we've read of so far is only relegated to a clique of people. It's only relegated to the people who have been following Jesus up until that point. But what I'm here to let you know is that if it had only been relegated to those people, we wouldn't be sitting here today. And what we need to grab as we read the word is that not one soul was added to the kingdom Until Peter took this witness of the word, this message of Christ, and started to preach it. Somebody say preach it. it. 
Not one soul was added until he started to declare a thing so that it could be established. And so he was proclaiming. Say proclaiming. He was speaking this thing as a witness, and then right there, 3,000 people were then added to the church. And so what this shows us is this simple truth, is that we need preaching. Can I say it again? We don't just need a whole lot of people on TikTok and YouTube just kind of spitting out words that are really not relevant to the Word of God. We need good gospel, Bible preaching. We need not less preaching, but more preaching in this season. Why? It's because... With this redemptive message of hope, grace, salvation, this world needs this message. But how many of you know something can be available to you, but if it's never spoken out, a whole lot of people will miss it. You know, there's this old adage. They say, if you want to hide something from people, put it in a book. (laughs) If you want to hide revelation from some people, put it in a book. Will you really read it? Will you really step out? And I'm so glad that Peter had the unction of the Holy Spirit that he didn't want to just experience. He said, I need everybody to hear about this thing. And so he presented it, God did, in the form of a Bible. But here's something important. Let's read Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It says this. This is a critical detail. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a fact, right? But it goes on to say, how then will they call on him and who they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? And so the whole crux of this series that we've been walking in is that we need to understand that we are sent people. Now, I already know I'm about to jump in here with some of y'all because as I look around the room, I see a few preachers in the room. (laughs) Not just Pastor Chris, but I I see a few preachers in the room. I'm going to preach today, but you're going to help me a little bit. You're going to help me a little bit. But this is what I want to do. By a show of hands, because I do know, yeah, Pastor Chris is here, but I don't know everybody that's in here right now. By a show of hands, how many preachers do we have in the room? A few, a few. Y'all know that was a trick question, right? Everybody wave your hand at me. Come on. Wake up. Wake up those limbs. Wake, that, wake it up. Wake it up. Wake it up. Each and every one of us are preachers. Why? Because each and every one of us are called to be witnesses. Each and every one of us are called to be proclaimers. Yeah, I know some, some people get a little bit more excited than others. But it's relevant that we need to know that we don't just preach in the sanctuary. But when we leave out of here, do we have that same fervor? When we leave out of here, are we preaching to our neighbor? Are we preaching to the one who just came out of the club? Are we preaching to the one at work? Or are we just in here in a safe space yelling the name of Jesus? And so as we navigate this again, we are all to be witnesses and we're all to be preachers because we're all proclaimers. And I need you to hear this twofold. We need to hear preaching from this aspect and be those who get the proclamation of the gospel to us because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But we also need to understand that we're to do the preaching. And some of us, as we're looking at here, you're like, okay, pastor, you know, I I don't know. I never went to seminary. I didn't go to Bible school. Peter didn't either. The Bible actually says that he was an unlearned man. And that's what makes it so significant is that when the Holy Spirit comes to empower you, we talked about that last week, he will give super on your natural and allow you to walk in things you never thought you can walk in. 
And so as we understand that Jesus, what he told us to do, it's not just that we have this thing that we've been saying here at Victory at the end of a message, you are sent. Jesus may have not used those words, but he says, for all my followers right now and to come, you are sent to walk this out. Y'all have heard me say this before. We were intentional about putting Mark 16, 15 on the doors on the way out that says, preach to all creation because I say every time you come in here, I want you to receive the word so you can preach it with your lifestyle when you leave out of here. Because you'll be able to impact people that I will never meet, that won't listen to a pastor, but they'll listen to you as their shepherd. And so again, Mark 16, 15 says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You might not have a platform or a pulpit, but you do have your boardroom. You might not have a platform or a pulpit or even a microphone, but you do have your hallway and your condo. You might not have a pulpit and a microphone that amplifies your voice, but when you're in the academic space, in the business space, in the creative space, you can speak a word that will cut to the heart of people as they hear it because they see you as a witness. And so with all of these things, if preaching is so important to do, how much more is it important for us to understand the how? And so when I say the how, I'm not talking about copying off somebody else, using somebody else's style. I don't need you necessarily going to work when the boardroom is about to start and you tell the whole boardroom, lean in. Don't say that. (laughs) You might get fired. Don't come here asking me for financial assistance after you say, well, pastor, I did what you did. I never told you to do what I did. (laughs) I'm happy to be in church this morning, y'all. But what we do need to understand are the components of what it looks like to preach effectively. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take a swift journey through the first actual New Testament sermon after the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus, which was Peter giving his sermon. So I'm going to attempt to do this. I need you to be praying with me. I'm going to attempt to walk us through a sermon within a sermon. And so already know that I won't have time to dig into every single thing, but that's why small groups are important, because you need to dig into the word after this. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 14. I'm going to read a good amount of scripture today, and I need you to follow along and be in sync with me as we follow, and know that you can save these notes on the YouVersion Bible app as well. Here it is, verse 14. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh." Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this is a longer passage of scripture with several verses here. But this passage represents the first key of the power of preaching. And that's what we're talking about today. The power of preaching. This first component I need you to understand is that Peter's preaching was explanatory. It was explanatory. Peter, he actually preached to give explanation to what they were actually seeing. Let me say it like this. 
Preaching connects what you are seeing with what God is saying. Let me take it another step further. Preaching connects what you are seeing with your eyes to what God is saying from his spirit. And what we need to understand is that as we're looking at this many times, when life is happening, this should encourage us. Because you know life be life But when you have the word of God as your foundation, you can understand that even when things are going off the rails, you can know that there is still hope because you know how the story ends at the end of the Bible. We win. And I love the sentiments of Billy Graham. He said this, what a moment to take the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other and watch the unfolding of the great drama of the ages. This is an exciting and thrilling time to be alive. I would not want to live in any other period. What he was saying right here is that you should be able to take what's happening around you and look at the word of God to find hope. What's happening around you and look at the word of God to find your anchor. Because the reality is things are not always rosy and cloudy. There are times where we go through some situations. Do I have an honest church in this morning that you might be going through some situations right now? You have been through. Am I the only one? Am I the, I didn't think I was the only one. We all are going through some situations. But can I tell you something? Can you lean in for me on this one? Lean in with me. Lean in with me. What if I told you that God was not really as concerned with how you are feeling about your current situation right now? Some of you are like, that is not encouraging, Pastor. (laughs) But rather, he is more concerned about what your perspective is about your situation. Come on, lean back for me for a moment. We need to understand that we're going to go through some stuff. We spent all of last year talking about the storms are going to come. But what God is wanting us to understand is that when we read his word and hear his word, he's giving us this powerful thing called perspective. Say perspective. Perspective Perspective is the secret weapon of the believer. Because when the world is going through things that they don't understand, we can be going through the same thing, but they will look at us and be like, why are you so happy? Why do you have peace? Why when the market is falling out and when there's wars and rumors of war, you're not freaking out because I know that my Redeemer lives. And so what we need to know here is that explanatory preaching, what it does is it clarifies the message in what looks like mess. It clarifies the message of the kingdom, the message of the world in what looks like mess. One of my favorite scriptures that I even preached on New Year's Eve to us is Isaiah 43, 19, 18 and 19. But I want to read verse 19 for a moment. It says this, see, remember I told you it starts with behold in other versions. What did I say about behold? Every time you see behold, you need to open yourself up to see a new perspective. Right here it says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, but here's the part that I always pause on. Do you not perceive it? Just take a moment and hear me for a moment. Just take a moment and hear me for a moment. Do you not perceive it? He goes on and says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. What he's saying right here is that you have to put on the right eyes. Because just because you have eyes to see does not mean you have vision. I'm going to just let that sit right there for a moment. 
Because there are a whole lot of people walking around seeing out of eyes, but not having God's vision. And so if we're going to be people that really respond to the word as it's preached and as we preach it out, we have to have the right eyes to see what is God saying now? Let me say something. It's important not to be in yesterday's word, but to be in his rhema word right now for what he's speaking to you based on what he's doing right now. So what we need to know is that amongst us, a lot of times things look bad, but perspective is important. And so God wants us to see through his lens. And for example, when we see this and we talk about perspective, what we see here is that Peter is starting to give them a description of what they're seeing. He slows it down and he says, they're not drunk with wine. They, they, they didn't get turned on the Ciroc, on the Casamigos. They didn't put down a little Hennessy. Y'all want me to keep going? I ain't going to call your thing out right now. You're like, Pastor, how do you know about all those things? I read a lot. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Help me, Pastor Chris. <laughs> he says they're not drunk with wine. It's only the third hour of the day. He, he says they are under the influence of spirits, but not that kind of spirit. <laughs> they're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so he was actually quoting an Old Testament prophecy. I don't know about you. I'm having a good time right now with myself because the word is speaking to me right now as I'm preaching it. What he's saying, Peter was connecting a promise from God with what they were currently experiencing as witnesses for God. And so what we see here is that and here's a major key, a little commercial brought to you by Jesus Christ. A major key is that when you're walking in the things of the Lord, there will be people who without context will look into a thing that's spiritual and see the wrong thing. And so be not discouraged when you are walking and you're experiencing the things of the Lord and someone is kind of looking at you with the side eye. You need to let them know and be founded that I am following the leading of the spirit right now in humility, but also exalting Jesus and his name. And so as a sent one, we have to know that our responsibility, listen to this, is to provide clarity in the midst of chaos. Not just me up here on a Sunday morning, but each of you in your spheres of influence, you are called to bring clarity in a place of chaos so that when people are losing it, you can say, peace be still. And so when Peter says in the last days, I know some of us, we've been hearing that we're in the last days since we were two years old. You know, the Bible says one day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And so what we need to know is that most theologians would say that we've been in the last days pretty much since Jesus was walking the earth. And so what he was doing, <clears throat> excuse me, what he was doing is that he was saying, I want to make sure that you know that God is now pouring out his spirit on everybody. Where at one time it was relegated to Jesus the Christ. Now when he ascended, now he's saying, I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh. He said, everyone, and I want to read the scripture because I think this is important to say. Even in Acts 1, 14, he said this, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and the, Mary of and the mother of Jesus, Mary, the mother of Jesus. I need to say something specifically to the ladies in the house right now. What I want you to know very clearly is that preaching is not just for men. I thought I would have got a bigger amen from the women in this house right here. 
I'm going to try this side of the room. I see some strong, blessed, empowered women on this side of the room. Preaching is not just for men. I'm going to try this. Terry, preaching is not just for men. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. But what we need to understand is that Scripture says, my sons and daughters shall prophesy. And so if we don't understand this, what we'll do is we'll miss a needed component to the word of God and how it's presented and the perspective and what's needed in the fullness of the body. See, let me say it like this. If you're a single woman in this house, preach the word. If you're a married woman in this house, preach the word. But let me back up. If you're a single woman in this house, preach under the authority of your covering in this house if you're a member here. If you're married, preach under the authority and the covering of your husband. But preach the word. Declare the word. Because what happens if we don't, what we'll do is that we will miss out on how God showed it to you that we need for the full counsel. Let me say it like this. My wife, Dr. Pastor Kendra Moman, she is not just pastor's wife. When we line this thing out and say, we are both the lead pastors. Now, yes, she will tell you she submits to me in our household because the buck stops with me as the spiritual authority over our home. But that's why here and at all of our campuses, we will say without a doubt that our wives as pastors can preach the word with fire. They can bring it with perspective. You're not getting a less damn version when you're talking to her. As a matter of fact, God has said we are walking together to walk this thing out in the full counsel of God. And so I know that it's been swirling even in the body of Christ that different denominations and things are actually tearing apart because they don't or they do believe that women should actually preach, that women should actually have authority. I'm here to say again that he said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And so what we need to understand is as we look at this, even in explanatory preaching, it shifts our perspective. It shifts our perspective and makes it prophetic and personal. What it does is it shifts from just being about they in the Bible and now it's about we. It shifts from it just being about them and now it's about me. I see myself in the scriptures. And so as we look at this here, Peter uses this language, even in verses 19 through 21, he starts to connote and talk about chaos. But he's using that to reassure the hearer and reassure all of us today that God has a plan. For each and every one of us that call on the name of Jesus. And so, again, as preachers, there's a term that my wife started to use several years ago. As preachers, we need to be spiritual anthropologists. I like that. Write that down. Write that down. We need to be spiritual anthropologists. What does that mean? That means that we are people who are able to discern and guide through what's happening in the world around us through a biblical lens. Through a spiritual lens. See, yes, we are in the world, not of the world, but we are called to actually engage the world so that we can change and present the gospel to them so that they can see Jesus. What good is it if we're always running away from the world? Now, if you have a stronghold and something you know you can't deal, run away from that. But I'm talking about in our daily engagement as sent ones, as preachers in your own right, we have to be able to understand that we're to be spiritual anthropologists and guide people into a spiritual understanding of what God is saying today. Amen? Amen. So whether person to person, 
or platform to group, we're called to preach. Say, I'm called to preach. So let me ask one more time. Let me just do a room check. How many preachers, by a show of hands, do we have in the room? Good class. <laughs> so let's go to the next part of Peter's, uh, pre uh, Peter's preaching. Acts chapter 2, verse 22, it says this. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, and as yourselves also know him. Being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that who? That he should be held by it. For David says concerning who? Him. I foresaw who? The Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Let's jump to verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that by the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he will raise up who? The Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of who? The Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This who? This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out to, out to which you now see and hear. Verse 34, for David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself, the Lord, said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made who? This Jesus, whom you crucified, both who? Lord and Christ. Do you recognize a recurring theme right there? He's talking about lifting, repeating the name of Jesus. So number two, Peter's preaching was always exalting Jesus. Now, this is a major key because if you're like me and you look around, you can look at the majority of sermons that you find on YouTube and all across the world, and you can go through most of the sermon, and you're not able to, to discern whether it is a gospel presentation or if it's a TED Talk. You can go through the whole thing of reading or, or watching a sermon and not understand, is this a call to repentance or is this a self-help seminar? And it should be obvious because, unfortunately, many times what we've done in popular preaching today is that we've blurred the lines between something being Christocentric and me-centric. We've blurred the lines between something being all about Christ and it being about us. Let me give you a little quick note. To have a Christocentric preaching and living lifestyle, it says, and it's on the screen, Scripture should be interpreted primarily from the perspective of either Jesus' character, his values, his principles, and priorities as revealed directly or indirectly by biblical revelation, watch this, of what he said and did. Not my opinion. Not my feelings. Not about the evolution of the times right now because you know things have changed. Lifestyles might have changed, but the word has not changed. And so if we're not careful, what we'll do is that we will actually make someone else the main character in this story when the main character should be Jesus. And what I hope is that when we're preaching here at Victory, or, or any of us, any platform communicator or preacher, I hope that you're not getting main character vibes from us. Because I need to just announce this to some who need to know that I'm simply, we're simply supporting cast members. 
I don't even care if my name is on the credits. I want to make sure that Jesus Christ's name is exalted as the main character. Can we just say the name of Jesus for a minute? Come on, can we say the name of Jesus for a minute? Can we say the name of Jesus? This is not in my notes. Every now and again, you just need to put Jesus' name in the atmosphere because there's things that you couldn't even figure out that when you say his name, he starts to do work on your behalf. So in preaching that exalts Jesus, we have to constantly pose this question. Write this question down. This is not in your notes. What am I doing about Jesus? What am I doing about Jesus? Where is he in my life? Is he priority or is he secondhand? Is he my all or is he a supplement? Peter is being overtly clear that Jesus is the main character. He's telling them, you killed the star of the whole story. He's saying the one you chose to crucify is now Lord in Christ. Acts 2.23 says, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Preacher pre Peter preached to tell about Jesus, and so should we. And so for all of us as preachers, we need to be saying, how are my sermons sounding? How are they living? How is my lifestyle living out so that people can read it? I said this already, but there shouldn't be a competition. And the reality is, we need to ask ourselves, is Jesus competing with the exalting of my opinion? Is Jesus competing with the exalting of my race or my history, good, bad, or indifferent? Is Jesus competing with the exalting of my political ideology? Come November, it's going to get a little messy, and we need to know that we're standing on Jesus. We're not red or blue. We are only red in the blood of Jesus. Is Jesus competing with the exalting of your financial motivation? Is Jesus competing with the exalting of your idea of gender and gender roles and identity? Or are we fully subjected to him? Because what we need to do is that we need to say every facet of our lives needs to go through the filter of who Jesus is, not putting, our life, or not putting Jesus through our lifestyle's filter. And so as we're looking at this, let me ask this question again. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Because either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Either he's Lord of everything. As I even say that, there's some things that is coming to your mind right now that you would say, if you're honest, that Jesus has not quite touched that thing yet. Either he's Lord of everything or he's not Lord of anything. And so I want to challenge us, even not Pastor Chris, because I know him, other pastors that might even be listening to this right now. If your preaching and your living is not exalting Jesus, I want to challenge you right now to either step up or step down. Because the reality is you can do more damage to people if you are leading them away from the things of Jesus than trying to give them a good motivational word that's going to keep them for the week. And now they got to come back to you and get filled up again. For every one of us, we need to exalt Jesus, say Jesus over everything. Point number three, his preaching, and this is maybe the most important, his preaching was in expectation of a response. His preaching was in expectation of a response. This is so important for Peter and it's so important for us. See, he preached for a response, not so that he can get a response for ego so he could feel good. 
He preached for a response so that it could actually prompt change in the hearer. Yes, sir. What good is me standing up here preaching and talking? See, I spend a lot of time preparing. My wife will tell you, I spend a lot of time praying and preparing for these messages. I don't have time to come out here and just waste my time. That's why even when I preach, she'll call me often. She'll say, you're like a coach. Because as a coach, you know, what would it look like if the Super Bowl is coming up in a, in, in a week or so, and, you know, the coaches are like, if you feel like playing today, that'll be okay. You know, if you feel like doing your assignment, I know we played all year long and we're in the Super Bowl now, but you have the option right now to opt out of if you're going to accept our ideology as a team or not. But a real coach is saying, I'm giving you instructions. I'm telling you something because I know what the best interest is based on the word of God, and I am prompting a response. That's why when we say amen, we're saying it is so. And so Acts 2 Verse 37 says this, he says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Notice, they asked, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and your children and to those who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, listen to this, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day 3,000 souls were added to them. Hear this very clearly. Don't get self-righteous. Hear this. Without the redemptive power of Jesus, we are those people who are far off. Without the blood that never loses its power, we are the ones who are far off. So don't start looking at somebody who might not be on the same part of the journey that you're on and look at them and forget where you came from. Here it is. He says, repent and be baptized. Repentance is our action. Write this down. Repentance is our action, and baptism is our confession of faith. And so what Peter does, he does not say, okay, say a prayer and then just kind of Go along your fine little happy way. Don't change anything. No! He says, repent and turn. Repent and be baptized. He's saying, go the other way. When we look at the Greek word for repent, it's metaneo. And metaneo has nothing to do with your feelings or your emotions. You might feel an emotion after you actually make the decision. But what he's saying right here is that you've been walking on your way to hell strong. He says, stop and repent. He's saying, you've been going on your own path, and I need you to do an about face right now. He's saying, repent. If you could have fixed it before now, you would have fixed it before now. And too many times what we do is we see people out of ignorance, the real meaning of the word, not knowing, going down a path of destruction because nobody will preach to them and tell them that they are moving in the wrong direction. The actual word metaneo means to change your mind, your way, the way you think and do, the direction in which you go. It means to turn. Somebody say to turn. My intention in case you didn't know it by now, every single time I preach is to prompt you to turn around and confess Christ. It's not so you can say Pastor Mo had a good word. 
It's not that you can say Victory Midtown was lit. It's not that you can say, oh, I enjoy you coming to church. I'm glad you enjoy coming to church, but if you don't enjoy turning, <laughs> if you don't enjoy going to God, if you don't enjoy seeking first the kingdom of God, you might be missing it. And I'm not here. We're not here to, to groom and grow a group of surface Christians. We're not here to be a good club and, you know, somebody here. Because watch this. If you're in an environment and somebody's not exalting Jesus and they're not actually talking about the word, you might need to leave. Because that's not a church. That's a club. Even so, another step further, it, it might even be a brothel. Because some people, they will use something that's attractive on the outside using Jesus' name, likeness, and image to lure you in. And when you get inside, it's only about them and their flesh. And so as we look at this, the preaching we hear and the preaching we should be doing should spark a turning from and then to Christ. Jude 22 says this, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. See, the reason I'm so passionate is because I understand I don't have time to play with you. Because when you leave here today, if I don't do all that I can do to help by the Spirit to snatch you out of the fire, you can leave here and hear the Word of God and then still go to hell if you don't confess Jesus. He goes on to say, and some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by flesh. So we have to be people who are prompted to turn and to change. Why? Because the church is born from spirit-empowered preaching. And the church will continue today with spirit-empowered preaching, not just by me, but by you also. And so what do we need to do and what do we need to understand? Three things I want to walk away with just as things that we need to grab and understand. It's in your notes so you can save it. We as the people of God, listen to this are sent as spirit-empowered proclaimers of the gospel. Which means, number one, we need to know enough of our Bible that you can help people connect the dots between what's happening in the world back to what's, what's happening in God's Word. I even want to say it like this. We need to be ambassadors and proclaimers that we can let people know how the Word of God connects to their world. Number two, we have to be Christ-centric enough in our speech and in our actions that when all that we're doing it's very clear that we're pointing to Jesus that people don't have to wonder who we're actually exalting that we're always talking about the cross and the supremacy of Christ and number three we have to be bold and purposeful enough that when we lead people to a point of decision that we will offer up Jesus that they may not always say yes to this gospel that we're presenting but give them a chance give them a chance and so where we are today is that we have to own the fact that as preachers hearing the word and giving the word we want to prompt repentance we want to prompt change so that the forgiveness of sins can happen and we can walk this out because the promise is for our children's children's children it's for every woman and man it's for old and young and so this is what I want to do. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray for some people because you might have just found your way kind of by happenstance being here today. Somebody may have invited you. You may have seen a, an advertisement or whatever it is. But you may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior because we talked about it's all about exalting Jesus. Without Jesus, you won't be able to walk any of this out. 
And so if you're in here right now and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus and I want to make sure I'm able to live a life that's abundant here on earth but also secure in eternity when I die, just raise your hand to me real quick without thinking about it. Just pop that hand up. Pop that hand up. I see hands all over the room, all over the room, all over the room. Hallelujah. All over the room. You can put your hands down. Victory Church, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. But I also thank God that you were resurrected. Today I repent. I turn. I change my mind about how I've been living. And I take on your mind of how I'm supposed to live. Today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I want to live for you. Say this, God, I need your power to walk this life out for you. And I can confidently say that I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together right there? There were so many people who gave their lives to Jesus. Come on, we can do better than that. If we're talking about exalting Jesus, that's what we came here for today. Come on, stand on your feet all over the room. Go ahead, stand on the feet all over the room. We're going to do something as we leave here today. If you've been around here for a while, we did this one other time before, but this is not just some religious exercise. This is something to get this codified in your mind. These five messages, these weeks that we've spent on talking about being sent, is really conditioning us so we won't be people who are so inward focused, but we're outward focused. And so it wouldn't do us any good if we sit in here, hear the word, and get all these things, have a good notepad full of notes, and then we forget about it and don't live it out. My challenge to us is that when we leave here today, that we go out on mission, that we understand without a shadow of a doubt that I'm qualified because of Jesus to preach and to be sent into every sphere of influence that I'm walking in. That when the people are texting you and talking to you and, and asking you about this Jesus that you know, you're clear about how you want to talk to him. And so this is what I want to do. I want to get this into your muscle memory. I want everybody to turn around and face the back. Because what we're doing is that we're saying we're facing outside. Because when we leave out of here, according to Mark 16, we're going to preach this gospel to everybody we come in contact with. Can you stretch your hands out to the outside? Right now, before I even start praying, just pray for the neighborhood. Pray for the surrounding area. Pray that God is setting up things so that we understand that we're called for such a time as this. Pray that you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that as he leads and guides you all around this city, that you are sent on assignment. Father, I thank you right now that we've received this word with gladness and we will receive it and be doers of your word. Father, I pray right now that as we leave this place, we won't leave your presence here but we will carry your presence as spirit-empowered people sent out to preach the good news of the gospel. God, I pray that you stir up the gift of, uh, on every person in here. Stir us up in our spirits that we won't be in fear, that we will walk in empowerment, that we will walk with illumination knowledge, and that we will be purified by the spirit to stand as great witnesses for the kingdom. God, I'm thanking you in advance for uncanny uh, encounters with people today that we didn't expect. But when it happens, we will say, that's what we prayed for. That's what we got ready for. God, I plead the blood of Jesus over us all and declare that we are your sent ones and we'll walk it out in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen, amen. Turn around, turn around, turn around. Don't stay looking at the back. Listen, we're getting ready to leave here today. I want to let you know that without a shadow of a doubt, 
God has called you for such a time as this. And he has called us to prosper and be in good health. And so I want to release us today by saying you are sent, not just you're dismissed. We are sent people. So one more time, just lift your hands. I'm going to bless us. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the opportunity that we have today to be your sent ones. Father, I declare over us that we will live and not die to declare the mighty work of the kingdom. And we will go out of here with gladness and with a spirit on fire to change the world. God, we give you praise. We give you honor. And we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Listen, all the women that didn't get your Thrive magazine last week, they might have a few out there today. We want to see you next week. God bless you. See you later.